Wolf and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witchbuster extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Monday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, what's going on over there? Uh, not a whole lot, Luke. How you doing, buddy? How was your weekend? Great. Feels <laughs> like it's still I ask the rhetorically. Of course, more on this. Luke, ladies and gentlemen, got in a vehicle, got in a car, and actually drove to Coachella. When AG went to Coachella, did you not? Yeah, driving too was fine. That was um, Thursday evening. Was it just you with the big L on your no, forehead no. driving? Fortunately, I didn't have, have, I didn't have to drive <laughs> as much last night because that would have been a problem. Okay, that would have been a problem yeah. because you got in at 545. How are you feeling? <laughs> you feeling good right now? Oddly ready great, to actually. <laughs> <laughs> really ready to, okay, to get into this. Okay, more on this as the show unfolds. Really thought Luke I was going to see. There, but I, I didn't see you there. That's, no, you did not. No, I was, I was kind of in the compound, oh, of course. Okay. Uh, probably watching the Phoenix Suns, specifically on Saturday. Up now 3-1 in the series. And... Um, Look, I don't want to say the series is over, but when we did the show on Thursday and Kawhi just disappeared from the series, that was kind of a difference maker. And I'm not saying it's the only reason the Suns are winning, but it certainly has made it um, easier. There's just no way around that. Yeah, no, it, it really has right now. Um, you, you almost feel for the Clippers a little bit. I do. As a former professional athlete, um, here they go. They were ready to go. They were all fired up. Um, they're very competitive. They've got Kawhi Leonard. They were easing Kawhi Leonard back into the lineup as the season was coming to a fold, of course. We all know his injury situation. And then all of a sudden, they split the first two, and it looks like, hey, Listen, you know this is going to be this is going to be a series. This is going to be contested. This is going to be competitive, and I'd still say it has been a competitive series. But in the end, they just did not have enough, and don't seem to have enough to actually win games. And because of that, the Suns are up three one. You know the, the scary thing about the Suns, if you are a different team, is through all this. And, and I, I get it that we look at it through this lens here because there are no titles yet, still for the Phoenix Suns. So I get that there's there's going to be a healthy and maybe even unhealthy level of skepticism. I saw a lot of, oh, we're getting swept after they lost game one. And I, I, mean, I get it. I, I don't get that we're getting swept, but I, I, don't, yeah, I, I get I that. don't get that. I, I don't understand that. I understand some. I mean, you and I both came on here the next day and said the Suns are going to win in six or five. I think a lot of people did feel that way as well. Uh, but, but there is this view of like, well, you know, this team, well, they have this problem. And even when they're up 3-1, well, they have this problem. They have that problem. They're not a perfect team by any means but they are 11 and 1 with Kevin Durant in the lineup yeah you know and I'm I'm Mikel Bridges is one of my favorite all-time players but the Nets are done so the, this this thought that this was like some terrible trade you're 11 to 1 with Kevin Durant in the lineup you're almost certainly going to go to the second round we'll talk about the second round when they get there but I mean Kevin Durant so far so good with this team I think it just uh, it, there's a bunch of different ways to talk about it, but it ultimately, to me, still boils down to the fact that they have the best players on the court in most series. Yeah, you know, it was amazing, though, when you think about it, um, that, that first quarter, once again, when you watch that first quarter of Game 4, based on what I saw in that first quarter of Game 4, I thought this series was going to be tied up at 2-2. And that would have been it was concerning. Amazing. It was. Yeah. 
It was tough, man. The Suns were absolutely awful in that first quarter. They, they shot 28% from the floor, and the Clippers were 46%. Um, it was it was not good. It did not look good. Another start. That's the one thing that is a little disconcerting here for the Phoenix Suns. Um, going forward, we're, we're all imagining that they are going to beat the Clippers. They're going to find a way to do that. Is it going to be five? Is it going to be six in which they beat the Clippers? We all understand that. But, you know, what about beyond this right now, Basinonians? That's the question that we ask. Do you have any concerns beyond the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard and the struggle that we have seen, the competitiveness that we have seen all the way up until midway of the fourth quarter, and then Chris Paul showed up and said, you know what, you're all done. Watch that. Oh, that was fantastic. Uh, it, it, unbelievable. That, wasn't it? Some of the... the, the how different he is in the fourth quarter of some of these games compared to what he is in the first couple quarters of a game. And it was already ridiculous. And then he hit that one shot that we're all thinking of. It's been a while since we've seen it. Yes, it has. But he's done it in the playoffs for this team before multiple times. Um, They're they're a weird team. The Suns are a weird team. They are a weird team. Because you could easily sit here and say, man, Again, eleven and one with with Kevin Durant in the lineup. Who who can put a better trio out there, especially when Chris Paul is playing the way he did in the fourth quarter, than the Suns can? But you could just as easily say, and we'll get into this. You're not getting a whole lot from your bench at all, and the Clippers may not be able to expose that because they're so depleted. But could Denver? Could you know oh. Milwaukee or Boston from the East? Could Golden State? They're back in. I mean, so yeah, it's not like you just have this clear path to the title now, but. I, I do think there is something to be said for when you have Durant and Booker, you just find ways to win games that maybe on paper it didn't look like you should have. Here's Durant post game. You know, you know this team never going, they going to stick around the whole game. You know, they never out of a game. Um, how well coached they are, how hard they play, and the penetrators and creators they got on their team, they're never out of the game. So I, I think we did a solid job of staying poised, especially coming out the third. But we were just terrible to start the third, and um, you know, uh, and we was able to, you know, get some momentum back after that timeout. So I felt like, you know, it was a back and forth battle. They throw punches, we throw punches, and um, luckily we came out with the last one. Yeah, that was, you know, honestly, it was a competitive game. We'd all agree on that one right there. The, the Clippers have been game, even without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. It truly is a testament to Ty Lu and the coach that he is, and also the guys. Every player that goes out there and balls out for the Clippers right now, I have a ton of respect for them. I, I do. Um, Russell Westbrook in particular. Like, I know we're going to talk about him later on in the show, but we got to talk about him here for a second. How can you watch this series and not have a ton of respect for how that guy plays? And, and he's always been a player that I, I haven't minded. You know what I mean? Even when he was on, he wasn't doing it. He was on the Lakers, so I guess that didn't really matter. But you, you have to admire the fact that he's going to come out in tomorrow's game and, and act like it's game one of the series or game seven. You know, he, he he has no concept of we're down three one in the series and Kawhi's out and Paul George is out. He he doesn't he just plays like there's a basketball in front of me. I'm going to play out of my mind. And he looks like he's out of his mind sometimes. But yeah. it's refreshing <laughs> to see. 
This guy, uh, you want to talk about rejuvenating your career. He has totally rejuvenated his career right now. If you're the Clippers, are you not signing him to a contract or trying to? There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be interested in Russell Westbrook. Yeah, there's. it's funny because there's a lot of conversations going on around the league right now of like, is this the best scenario for him? right now in terms of individual stats because he sure. can take 29 shots and yes. nobody's going to be like, hey, don't shoot. You got Kawhi and Paul George. Right. But is it sustainable over the course of a, of a full season? Like, are they bringing him back? I mean, the Clippers, <laughs> if the Suns are able to put this away tomorrow, the Clippers are a mess when you consider how much they've given up for Paul George and Kawhi and those guys yes. don't even play. I know. But that's not the Suns' problem. That's not. <laughs> Thank goodness <laughs> on that one right there. Again, you know, as like I was saying, Luke, as a former professional athlete, I, I do. I look at the Clippers and I got a ton of respect for them. Their competitiveness. Think about four games now. We've seen four games and they've been competitive. They've games. all been close. At, at, at a certain point in the fourth quarter, they could have gone either way. Two of these games, they have not had their two best players uh-huh. and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And yet they've been out there balling out competitive. Um, I also give the Suns a lot of credit because when it mattered the most, they played their best. They've done that again. Chris Paul in the fourth quarter over the last two games, you go and look at it, he was the spark. He was the spark in game three. He was the spark once again in game four. They, They just have had way too much talent for the Clippers. The Clippers are tough. They've got that tough thing covered. Talent is what they're lacking right now. And talent in a seven-game series, especially in the NBA, is going to win out in the end. That's what we saw over the weekend. Score the hottest ticket in town, Suns playoff tickets. Just text TICKET to 620-620. Register and listen for your name today during the the, uh, the noon hour and the 5 o'clock hour for your chance to qualify for Game 5 tickets. See the Suns take on the Clippers tomorrow. That's TICKET to 620-620. And when we come back, the NFL draft is almost here. What is the latest buzz surrounding the Cardinals and that third overall pick that they still have? It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The NFL Draft. News on number three. Draft coverage. Live, local, late breaking. You know, it feels like we've been talking about the third pick in the draft or what the Cardinals might do with the third pick in the draft for so long now, Wolf, that it kind of snuck up on at least me that the draft is Thursday. It's incredible to think about that, man. Here it is right now. Oh, baby. Here we go. Draft week is here. You're a... You're starting the freak show today too, aren't you? Yeah. Next hour. That's that's when you know draft week is here. Yeah. <laughs> right? The freak show, of let's, course. Let's not bury the lead here. The freak what year show is starts. this, by the way? I Don't mean, I'm the wrong honestly, person to ask today. Uh, what year? Uh, is it <laughs> you know, the our twelfth year? I have no idea what it is right now, but Wolf's Freak Show makes an appearance once again today. Todd McShay has a story up on ESPN this morning talking about just some of the draft buzz that he's hearing. Uh, and it says McShay on top prospects, QBs, and early picks. And he goes through some of the teams in the top ten. He hits the Cardinals. Okay, I'm going to throw some stuff at you that he said. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, it says the Cardinals are borderline desperate to move out of the spot. So let's just start there for a second. And he also later says they've been smart to wait. To okay. Uh, are you surprised at all? That we're sitting here on April 24th, and the Cardinals, I do think, are kind of, not desperate, but I think want to move out of the number three spot. 
now the draft's three days away, and you still you're still holding on to that pick. Yeah, it gets a little. I mean, I think this is the way you have to do it. Yeah, but it also gets a little risky because did you see who's now favored to go second overall? It's Will Levis is yeah. favored to go second overall. Yeah, that's great news, though. Is it to me? Yeah, once again, it's a, it's a quarterback. It's a different quarterback because it just goes to show you. Maybe there's a team out there that loves C.J. Stroud. Maybe there's a team out there that loves Anthony Richardson. Maybe there's a team out there that loves somebody else. And the more quarterbacks that are rumored to be loved by somebody that might actually move up to number three, the better for the Arizona Cardinals. Well, so you're with me, though, that it seems like they want to trade the pick more than anything else? I think so. Okay. I think there's no doubt about that. Uh, the good news is, again, if there is somebody that is willing to move up, oh, okay, great. Uh, Will Anderson could possibly go at number two, if you're to believe the Houston Texans. I'll believe it when I see it. But I think the Cardinals are still in an excellent position to move back and just reap some serious draft. How picks. weird is it, too? I know I just referenced the FanDuel odds on the number two overall pick. Okay, Will Levis. Last week we talked about this. Will Anderson was favored to go number two overall. Yeah. Now it's Will Levis, and it's like an overwhelming favorite. Like, it's in the minuses. But second, this this <laughs> how can I phrase this? The second most favored player to go second overall isn't even Will Anderson. It's Tyree Wilson now. Yeah. So, like, that's what, fine. What was going on? Yeah, that'd be the that's, best case. Yeah. Just go, don't even concern myself with that. Well, that's great. I, if Houston wanted to just take Tyree Wilson, yeah. leave three of these quarterbacks and Will Anderson on the port. <laughs> We're good. Next. Yeah. Everybody wins. Yes. Except probably uh, Houston. But what did Todd McShay say about this, Luke? So he goes a little bit deeper and he says, um, we've all mocked Anderson or Wilson to the Cardinals for a while. But if they are truly looking for big-time offensive line reinforcements, which has kind of been the word lately, could they slide back and take Northwestern's Peter Skaronsky? Yeah, they might, Rabbit. They might. They, they could. <laughs> you better believe this right here. I saw this, and it just it, it filled me with a hope, my brothers. It really did. Uh, a hope that, okay, if in fact they are going to trade back, this would be awesome. Can you imagine if they get this kid Skaronsky? Have you watched this kid play? I absolutely love him out of Northwestern right now. Peter Skaronsky, just a physical, physical guy that happens to have some great technique. 6'4", 313. He's not the biggest guy on the planet. I get that. But his technique and his finesse is so great, yet he's got a brawler's, a brawler's heart. And I would take that in a heartbeat. And it says so much about the Arizona Cardinals in this new rebuild. So McShay puts together a couple scenarios here. He says even even if they dropped all the way back to number 11, he thinks they would still be able to get Skaronsky, but he points out if they can't, then maybe Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson Jr., those those are two other offensive linemen you'd be able to to get. If you really if the new regime is coming in and prioritizing offensive line help, for Kyler Murray, which would make sense above all else, um, you can't really take one at three. That that's not maximizing the value of that asset. But if you could trade down with Tennessee, let's say at eleven, you would be able to get one of those three guys for sure. Now, do they like all three? <laughs> that's a different story. Um, but then he also says, what happens if Arizona can't find a dance partner in a uh, in a trade back? 
He says that he thinks they'll take one of the defensive ends on the board. I think to me that's the worst case scenario. If Houston took Will Anderson and the Cardinals couldn't find a good trade, we had to take Tyree Wilson at three, which I don't think will happen. I don't. But as we sit here on Monday morning, it's still a possibility because they're still holding on to the number three pick. Yeah, no, it's still a possibility. You're right about that, Luke. But again, I, I think this is by design. The ultimate pressure point is coming. <laughs> the ultimate pressure point is coming on Thursday night, isn't it? Here it is. You're on the clock. So all the conversations that are out there right now, all these conversations that you've had, are you really not going to come up, Tennessee? Are you not going to come up and give us that first round pick? Are you not going to, or maybe it's a second round pick, whatever it may be. Are you not going to do that? Of course, you're going to, you're going to test their resolve at that point in time. And for me, it's a dangerous game unless you've got somebody there that you could draft at three that you absolutely love. And that's what you've got to be capable of pulling off. you got to be satisfied with your pick at number three. Or you know what? Um, move back and collect all these picks. But you have to be resolved in your heart before you go into the draft what you're going to do. Like there's no rule that says you can't move down to four and then move down to 11 or whatever. You exactly can move down right. as much as you want. Exactly right. Here's uh, Monty Austin for This is on Friday. They asked him about that scenario. What if Houston goes ahead and takes a non-quarterback at two? Could you still just sit there and draft somebody at three? No, I, I mean I, I. I think I don't. I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, what's going to happen at one or two? And I think that's a little bit why next week when we go through our um, our draft exercises, then those are the questions that we're going to have to ask ourselves. So, no, I don't think anything that happens in front of us will dictate what we're going to do at three. What do you think draft exercises are like? If you do a pull up and then yell out a player's name? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I doubt it. Oh. Um, I think they run through the mock drafts. That's what they do. I don't believe him that he doesn't know who Carolina is taking at one. It seems like everybody knows well, who Carolina yeah, is taking I, I think we, we'd all agree on that. But again, what does it say about the Arizona Cardinals and the direction that they're going? What does it say about this new regime, Monty? If you were willing to trade down and take an offensive tackle. <laughs> oh, it's nasty. I love it. This is the Tennessee Titan in Monty Austin Fort that is coming out right now. This is the Bill Belichick, if you will, of Monty Ford that is coming out right now. And J.G., who wants violence on the line of scrimmage. Well, we'll just go get this kid, Skaronsky, whom I love. <laughs> and oh, by the way, I could see this happening right here. You got D.J. Humphreys at left tackle. Then you've got Calvin Beecham. You signed him to a two-year deal. You signed him at right tackle. Oh, you know what else? You could take Skaronsky and put him at guard and let him get his feet wet that way. He'd, he'd be an excellent guard. Now, he's a tackle. He will be a tackle at one point in time. But you could put him as an interior offensive lineman. As a guard, he'd destroy people. That's what they need. So, yeah, that's, I mean, it does, it's not, 
It's not the most exciting thing. I get it. I mean, the, the exciting thing for fans is take skill position players. Or in the case of this year's draft, man, Will Anderson's this good? Like, we've been talking about this guy for the Heisman the last couple of Sure. Like, yeah, take him. Even though he's a defensive player, that's exciting. I get going offensive line isn't the most exciting thing, but I also could see how you could come in and look around this team, man, especially if Buddha ends up not being here. What are you building around? One guy clearly is what you're building around, so you have to protect him, especially now he's coming off an injury. Um, and, and the Cardinals have, have been really unsuccessful I, I, in terms of just drafting consistent offensive linemen over the years. Like, DJ Humphreys ended up being a, a good pick, but they just haven't been able to, to really build the offensive line through the draft over the, the last few years. So it would make sense if Monty Ford came in and was like, hey, this is what I want to do, and I want to trade down. And by the way, and I know this has been brought up, but I don't think it's being brought up enough, that team at number 11 is his old team. So I, I know it's a different GM there that he, right. but it is his old team. You're right? There's another pipeline there to making that trade. Yeah, never forget this. I'll leave you with this right here. Peter Skaronsky as well played center in high school. Just saying, if you know what I mean. There's a major gap on the depth chart at center right now. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. How big was Chris Paul's performance for the Suns in Game 4? It was, uh, for Chris Paul, it was laugh out loud big, actually. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers. Now. Well, Chris Paul plays the way he did in the fourth quarter on Saturday. That's when... That's when I look at this team and I'm like, yeah, you know what, Wolf? This team could win it. They can win the whole thing. No doubt. If Chris Paul's playing the way he did, and I don't even think he has to play quite as crazy as he did uh, in in the fourth quarter. But he went into the fourth quarter 3 of 8 on on Saturday. Finished the game 8 of 17 with 19 (laughs) points. (laughs) Pretty doggone good. (laughs) And big shots and ridiculous shots. And I made this comment on Saturday, but I'll make it again here. He, it feels like when he has games like that, he's the guy that shows up to your pickup game, doesn't do anything for a while, and just pretends like basketball. What's, I've never seen a basketball before. And then when you're like, all right, next shot wins, all of a sudden he's like unstoppable, right? That's Yo. what he looked like, and he's done this before. Man, it was just great to see it once again. I would go back to the 302 mark of game three. Remember the 302 mark where he, he showed up again late, and yet he showed up in a big way, uh, a number of different ways where suddenly he took over the the last couple of minutes and it was the difference for the Phoenix Suns. And then there it is, game four, right there, and what he did in the fourth quarter. Could there be a better trend coming out of this series for the Suns than a return of CP Clutch? No, I think, I think it's the biggest development. You know, it, the Clippers, you were saying this earlier, they're a tough team. Like, they're going to keep fighting you tooth and nail. This really, we may look back on this as being the best possible first-round matchup for the Suns because the Clippers are not pushovers, 
but let's let's be honest here. They don't have their two best players either. The Suns better win this series. They don't have Chris Paul right. or Kawhi. And, and look around the league. I mean, Milwaukee hasn't had Giannis. Memphis had a game where they didn't have Ja. I mean, that stuff helped out. It didn't help the Lakers in that game, oddly enough. But that, last year, I don't. I'm still convinced the Suns didn't have Chris Paul. That obviously helped Dallas. Like this is the NBA. It's what happens. It's not there's nothing anybody can do except beat the team that's in front of you. But if this ends up being a series that tests them a little bit, but also that they can kind of get their feet under them right. and like get Chris Paul rolling, they look like a much better team That's now than they did a week trend, ago. Right? Yeah. That'd be a great trend going forward right now. One's a point, two's a trend, ladies and gentlemen. Three's a pattern. Can we actually get to a pattern? And speaking of three, Kevin Durant scores 31 in this game. He might be the quietest <laughs> dude ever. <laughs> And, and all he's doing is scoring points. You know what I mean? Yes. It's amazing. Like, you don't think. I, I don't. I, I wasn't impressed that KD had 31 points in this. It's just an easy 31 yeah. for Kevin Durant. Does, you know, I think what it is is it doesn't take a lot of shots for him to get there because he's so efficient. Yes. Yes. So, and they're not typically flashy because we've all seen him do it. Some of the shots he makes are ridiculous. He's smooth, man. But yeah, slim reaper. He just makes it look like it's so natural. Like, oh yeah, I'm almost seven foot and I'm just casually hitting threes. What, you don't do that? Yeah. So it's, it, and he doesn't take a lot of shots where you're right. You know, you watch Chris Paul's having a crazy game or Devin Booker's having a crazy game. Hey, where's KD? Oh, he's just got 31 points. No yeah, big deal. 31 points. And there's Book. Book had 30. You got KD at 31. You got Book at 30. And Paul took over in that fourth quarter. And it was just incredible to see that, man. It really was. Um, He went off. Do we have some of the cuts? That is the question right now. Like the plays? Yeah, like his turnaround from the baseline. (laughs) That was unbelievable, man. That was the greatest shot I've ever seen from Chris Paul. I'm I'm serious. I have him talking about it after, real quick. Oh, this is great. They asked him if he thought it was going in. Yes, now, his come baseline on. turnaround where he thought the shot clock was expiring. <laughs> and it wasn't. He had plenty of time. But, but he also fact, couldn't miss a shot. Yeah. Swing Craig. He'll line up another three. That one's short. Loose ball taken by Chris Paul. Is going to lob it up oh. towards the rim and make it on the baseline. A crazy shot as the shot clock was expiring. And he made it right in front of the Suns bench. Timeout Clippers. <laughs> it wasn't he couldn't expiring. miss at that point, though. He Chris Paul could not miss at that point. Yes, he could game. not. He just it was fantastic to see it once again, and the Suns were bleeding offensively. Basically, he's going into that fourth quarter, the first couple of minutes of the fourth quarter. Now, there was nothing there to write home about. Chris Paul got up a shot, hit a bucket, and suddenly that settled everything down offensively. KD hit a three, Book hit a three, and then CP3 wasn't done, was he? It really is the most frightening development if you're another team in the Western Conference because you know what Kevin Durant is. And, and <laughs> the Suns being able to get Kevin Durant obviously raised the, the bar for any anybody who thinks they're a legitimate contender in the West. But you know what KD is. And he might just go off for 45 at yes. any time. But you know what he is. And Devin Booker's having these monster games. <laughs> but 
Devin Booker he might go off for 45. He might. He might. <laughs> but, but you knew that. It has. <laughs> but what you don't know is what you're going to get from Chris Paul. If Chris Paul's going to become this guy in, in the fourth quarter of games again, and he really only has to do it in the fourth quarter in terms of scoring, he doesn't have to go out there and have a performance like that for a full game. If he's going to give them that in the fourth quarter, and you know KD is going to give you the 31, and Devin Booker might just go off on any given night, the, the number of teams that legitimately could beat the Suns in a seven-game series dwindles very quickly. Yeah, you know, once again, I I just want to impress upon anybody listening right now, just it was a takeover of serious force from Chris Paul. At the 734 mark, he hit a a mid-range two. And then at 615, he hit a three at the top of the arch. Just listen to this. And then 508, great pick and roll with D.A. Just see the, oh, fantastic pick and roll with DeAndre Ayton. That was great. And then at 337, another three on top of the arc. And then it was the baseline turnaround at 257. Man, those five or six plays were just integral to the Suns winning this game, pulling away and winning this game in the fourth. Chris Paul on his own fourth quarter. I don't think you decide that. I think the way the third quarter started, I was pissed. We all was. We was on the bench sort of going at each other. You know, but it's healthy. You know, and um, just try to get us going, try to get us going. And I try to get myself going defensively, you know what I mean? And so the shots, they're going to come. We practice all day long, all day long. We practice for those situations. And so when they come, uh, you know, you live with the results. Oh, my goodness, how cool that is right there. To hit. I, it brings back so many memories. Yeah, we were going at it on the bench. We were going at it, um, you know, in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> but it's healthy. It's healthy. I love that. The, the, That's the way you do it. It's called accountability, Luke. The personalities on this team, and you're talking about you're talking about two of the already established all-time greats with Kevin Durant and Chris Paul, who have very different personalities, but yes. also share that, like, this is how you win in the NBA personality. Then you've got Devin Booker, who's, you know... He, he, the dude's going to be a Hall of Famer someday. He's just got to play long enough. And he's got a Super different personality. Star. But he's got that, like, he almost has the Russell Westbrook mentality of, yeah, you guys can talk about whatever. I'm just going to keep <laughs> scoring until we win. And then you've got DA, who's got a very different personality as well. So it is, it's an interesting mix on this team, but it, it, I know it's only 12 games. It really seems to work. Yeah, no, it works. And I love it. You know, they were going at each other. What does that mean? Well, it does. It means they were calling each other out or up, if you're money, of course. <laughs> but can I tell you right now, to me, this is accountability. It's what you have to do. You've got to hold yourself first and foremost to a standard. You will not hold anybody else. And if that is the case, Basin Onions, the power of that is if you're a good player, you can walk up to somebody else and go, you're killing us! What are you doing? And and the guy, okay, it might shock him at first, but he knows he's not going to let it butt hurt him. It might hurt him, but it's not going to butt hurt him, if you know what I mean. He'll take it, because he knows you, Luke. He knows you, Mel, or Rick. He knows everything about you, and that you'll hold yourself to a standard you won't hold anyone else to. Man, that's critical. Accountability. And when I hear Chris Paul say that, that they were kind of going at I was P.O.'d, he said, start that third quarter. We were kind of going at it on the bench. 
That's accountability right there at work. They got a good mix because there's not a lot of situations where you have three true star players like that. Like Devin Booker for the longest time in his career, and it's not not to say Booker wouldn't let somebody hold him accountable, but he was on teams where he was clearly the best guy. Chris Paul for most of his career has been the best guy. Kevin Durant is one of the best, no matter what, he's best one of the best when he's on the Olympic team, and yet they have this nice mix where they can hold each other accountable, and it's. It's working. The only thing I want to say to wrap this up about Chris Paul, Basinonians, he also had three blocks, three steals, and the highest plus, plus 22, of any Suns player in the game. (laughs) CP3 took over indeed. All right, we come back. Are we going to get more clarity on the future of Buda Baker and or DeAndre Hopkins this week? As you keep saying, Wolf, it's a pressure point uh, with the NFL draft coming up. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, draft starts Thursday night. I threw this producer question at you at the pre-show meeting, Wolf. Man. Now we're going to talk about it here. Here we go. You still have DeAndre Hopkins, who I feel like was dealt like four months ago. I really do. Yeah. You still have Buda Baker, who I really hope you don't ever trade. Yeah. But he, he has actually actually uh, requested a trade. DeAndre Hopkins has not formally done that. Um, as you've said multiple times, and you're right, that with the draft coming up this week, this is a pressure point for stuff to happen, for for moves to happen. Who's getting dealt here? Hopkins, Baker, yeah. both, neither. I mean, it, and I'm just talking about this week. Hopkins is getting dealt, <laughs> but I'm saying like this week. Are, are both these guys going to be on this team when we come back here next Monday and the draft is done? I find that hard to believe. Man, who is more likely to be traded at the pressure point if there is one player that is more likely? Are they both? just as likely to be traded before the draft or on the day of the draft? I don't know how to answer this other than saying I know DeAndre Hopkins is going to be traded. I don't think Buda Baker is. So, so it would be Hopkins. So to that, me, that'd be it's going to be D-Hop, right? I, I just say this, too, because they did the jersey reveal on Thursday, and I wasn't here on Friday. Um them putting Baker in the uh, in the video yes. where they showed the name on the back. This is what a name on a back of a jersey would look like. Oh, look, it's accidentally Buda Baker's jersey. I was in on that. You don't that. think that was by, yeah, that was not by happenstance? <laughs> no, I don't think that, that was an saying? accident. I, I, think, uh, I think that was probably. By the way, how'd you like the new Unis? I like him. I mean, I didn't. I didn't have like a huge problem with the old unis. I don't think yeah. there's like really a dramatic change. So, I mean, there is a little bit. I, I like the idea of going like, okay, if they're wearing red, they're wearing all red. If they're wearing white, they're wearing all white. If they're yes. wearing black, they're wearing all all black. Like, I, I do. I I like the monochromatic move, but it wasn't that big of a deal to me, and it wasn't that big of a change. As I said on Thursday, the biggest thing is I want to see Buda Baker's name on the back of the jersey. Yeah, you know what? I, look at you coming out with the monochromatic. That was really good. I'm not even sure if I used it right. That was, that was, no, that was well done right okay. there. I get it. But the, the whites, I love the whites, man. How bloody can you possibly get those, <laughs> especially on the road? How cool would that be right there? But Buda Baker, once again, um, I'm hoping some of the silence here is a good thing in terms of 
going forward in in talking to Buddha. You know they've they must have had many many conversations right now with Buddha Baker in regard to this. And I was hoping he'd somehow be there at the jersey thing. That would have been a huge deal to me if oh he was goodness. modeling one of the jerseys. Yeah, that would. That it's hard to been. believe you you really are going to leave. Yes. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. But I just have a hard time believing they're going to move him. They're going to trade him. If anything, maybe they will extend him. Maybe they'll talk him out of it. Maybe they'll tell him, at least let us go into the last year of the contract. When you have two years left here, it's tough to set a precedent that way. It's one of the things I've talked to you about in regard to the Pittsburgh Steelers and how they operate. They just let them know, don't come back with two or three years on this contract. We're giving you all this money up front. Don't come back and say you're underpaid because that's the way it works in the NFL. You will be underpaid at the end of your contract yeah. because there isn't any guaranteed money on that. We understand that, but it's because we gave you way more money up front. So, you know, once again, um, I think you've got to set that precedent, but maybe you can talk them out of it for one more year. I've thought about this a lot since you and I had that conversation last week, because I hear what you're saying. You're trying to establish, you're trying to establish new rules here. And so it's tough. It's tough to make an exception, even for Buda Baker. I'm still on the other side of it of if you were ever going to make an exception, and I, even saying that feels weird, but... You could do it now. Like, it can't be, well, if you're ever going to make an exception, it'd be because it's Buddha or it's because of this guy, because then you've opened that door. But I I feel like there's got to be a way where maybe they do sit down with them and they're like, look, I know this wasn't the rule here when you signed this contract. So this is kind of a unique situation. This is what we're going to try and put in place. And if we make this exception for you, then it's going to be tough going forward. But we also need you to build this team around. So I I think it comes down to what you were just saying, Wolf, of why don't you beat us halfway? Why don't you play this year and we'll work this out with you next year going into the final year of your deal? Because that is a little bit different than just anybody can come in. I got like two or three years left. I want more money. Yeah. You know? No, I know. So once again, the Buda Baker thing, I for for some reason in Basin Owings, I don't talk to anybody. Just want you to know that. But it got quiet in regard to Buda Baker. It got quiet. And because of that, I honestly think there's a possibility they might be able to work something out right there where it doesn't end with a trade for Buda Baker. That'd be nice. Um, that'd be fantastic, of course, as we all know. Now, do I think the pressure point is coming up, the NFL draft, where, yeah, somebody could knock their socks off trying to acquire Buda Baker? Yeah, I do, I do think that's possible. Well, that's kind of where I was going with this because the original question of of who's more likely to be gone a week from now is, I think, pretty clearly DeAndre Hopkins. Without a doubt. But it goes back to the pressure point of if a team is going to, if a team's looking around and they're like, is Buda Baker actually available? Then they're going to be calling the Cardinals. And if they're going to make it crazy. million, somewhere in there. Yeah. It's not too bad. No, don't take this guy. You know what I mean? We should definitely run a team and run it like that. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Here's Monty Austin Fort on Friday talking about Buddha's trade request. Myself, JG, um, we've had a lot of conversation with Buddha and his representation, a lot of productive conversations, and those continue to happen. Um, I understand that that Buddha went public with his his request last week. Um, You know, I would say that the conversations that I've had with Buddha, 
um, are going to, I want those to remain between Buddha and I. Those are personal. Um, those are private. And, you know, I'm not going to get into a situation where I'm uh, handling uh, uh, one of those situations in, in the public forum. So I hope you guys appreciate kind of that. But again, I, I think I've been clear about how I feel about Buddha as a person and a player, and, and nothing about that has changed. You know, if if there's more to it, if Buddha's like, man, we're not going to win, and the environment here the last 15 months, if he just doesn't like that, then I, I don't know how you're going to keep him. You know, if this if he's kind of using this as like, this is the last straw, like I would also like to be yeah. paid more, and, I, and deep down I don't want to be here. But if it's not that, if he's still like, no, you know, deep down I'm, I'm still a cardinal, I just, I, I do want to be paid more. Then I, in a weird way, I actually kind of feel like they might be able to work that out. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping for. Just knowing Buddha, that's why I, I, I'll continue to say this, it was a surprise to me. It was a surprise to me that Buda Baker did this. The one thing I didn't expect. I did not expect it at all. And, you know, um, if you believe what has been reported right now, and I'm not saying that I don't, but all the way back in February, uh-huh. allegedly, Buda Baker told the Arizona Cardinals this is what he was looking for going forward. So I, I don't know. I just know that Buda Baker makes you so much better in so many different ways. And the the example that JG needs inside that locker room can be found in number three. When he's he's been so unique that that's where I, I wonder if there's a way to, to make this make everybody happy because I, right. I keep going hypothetically, like two years from now somebody's gonna walk into Monty Austin Ford's office and be like, Well, you we worked with Buddha. Okay, well when you play with a broken shoulder and a high ankle sprain, then we'll work with you too. Yeah. You know, I mean it is it's it's unique it's unique circumstances. So you mentioned Jonathan Gannon. Uh, they asked him if it was tough to hear the uh, the Buddha trade request. No, I, I I like to hear all our players how they're feeling and and what they're going through because each one of them are different. But uh, like Monty said, just talking to him, um, I know what's in his heart, and I know he's a phenomenal person. He's a phenomenal player, and uh, um, we've had we've had a you know great conversation so far and a good relationship and uh, looking forward to keeping that moving forward. Yeah, you know, and once again, it's a little tough because you've got this new regime. You got Monty Austin Ford as the new general manager. You got Jonathan Gannon as a new head coach, and it's kind of difficult. They love this guy. They respect him. They watch him on tape, but they've never actually worked with him on a day-to-day basis, and that makes it weird. If you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> of all the times for your, your best player to be making a trade request, it's not, <laughs> he has no history with this GM or this coach. Jonathan Gannon's got to be the one that's like, uh, no, we're not losing him. Like, I, I need I need somebody to build around on defense. He's obviously, if you were just handpicking defensive players around the entire NFL to build a defense around in a culture, yeah. it would be one of your top five picks probably. Well, and there's that player-coach relationship as well where you build this bond, this bond of trust that actually happens on the field when you call a play. And this guy goes out and executes that play perfectly just as you drew it up, just as you practice all week long. That, that creates this bond between coach and player that can't be broken. That bond is not there yet because they haven't worked together. All right, we come back. Back to the Suns. Fatigue seemed to be an issue at times for them over the weekend. How worried should you be about their minutes for the Stars? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.